Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, July 30th, 2013, and today we're reading from the big book. You're going to find us in Chapter 4, which is entitled We Agnostics. We're on page 53 three paragraphs down on the page, beginning with Arrived at This Point. Today's readers are Rick, Helena, Devora, and Paula, and the share ID number for yesterday, Monday, July 29th, is 4868. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You big book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Charlene to read the 12 Steps. This is Charlene. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our alcohol, I don't know, that our lives had become unmanageable. And two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I will now call on Anne to read the 12 traditions. Uh, Hi, good morning. My name is Anne, Closed over eater of the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon LA unity. Two, for our good purpose, there is but one ultimate authority a loving God, as he may express himself in our good conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for LA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 
or each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or LA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive reader who still suffers. Six, an OA group will never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every LA group ought to be fully self supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, LA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We're in Chapter 4, We Agnostics, on page 53, the third paragraph, beginning with Arrived at This Point. And I will ask Rick to get us started. Good morning. I'm Rick, compulsive reader. Arrived at This Point. We were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to the tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far. But somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. What we see here in this paragraph, the word reason capitalized three times. And what they're telling us is that maybe we were relying on ourselves. Self-will wasn't going to solve our problem. I always thought that if I could think about it long enough and ponder and figure it out, I could solve my problems. But I realized that there was more to it than that. And that's what they're talking about. That capital R is showing that reason was our God. And certainly reason was my God. I could, I could, I could, 
I wasn't, the only reason I didn't fix my problems was because I wasn't thinking hard enough. I wasn't strong enough mentally. But they're going to go on and tell us that reason or self was not going to be a solution to our problems. And I'll pass with that. Thank you, Rick. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Sylvia. Sylvia, go ahead. Hi, this is Sylvia, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Upstate New York. And um, I love this paragraph. Um, I, I love that before it had asked us, you know, either God is everything or he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. And so when I came into program, I, I came in as an agnostic, you know, without knowledge. I didn't, I didn't have any feelings about spirituality or God. And uh, so when I came in, you know, the first thing that someone said to me was about the food and then, of course, the next thing that I'm hearing in the move, in uh, the meetings is about God and about recovery coming from a power greater than myself. And so that first part was easy for me because I came in so desperate. So, I mean, I could look out the window and see everything that was, was a power greater than myself. I could see that I didn't make the sun come up in the morning and it didn't make it set at night. I didn't make the tides. Um, I couldn't make my my child right-handed if he was left-handed. And I started just making a list of all the things that I didn't have power over. And for me, it was a great relief. I was like, oh, thank you, God. I thought that I had to be in charge of everything. So it it was exhausting. But then I came to this next part, which is the question of faith, which is different. So I I could believe that there was a power greater than myself, but then the next huge leap was could I have faith that that power was going to guide me and help me with everything. And so over the years, it was bit by bit that I could find my faith. And I have faith now, but it was hard, hard coming. And so, you know, the first thing was to have faith that the fellowship and the program was going to work if I just followed the directions. And so that was a, a a first step in faith. And then a couple of years ago, when I I really had something so big happen in my life with it, one of my grandchildren, and and I had I was so fortunate to have an amazing big book sponsor who really worked me through the steps with this. And what it came down to is I, I either had to have complete and total faith in everything, all of it, or nothing. I couldn't pick and choose my faith. And so... This God was either going to have to be there for my grandchild, or I didn't have faith. You know, I mean, it it just got that big. And when I could surrender that, that's when even then I could say, and maybe God even, maybe I can have faith that God will even do my food too. Because the food seems so small compared to everything else. So this question of faith, I I work with with a lot of sponsees who come in with a belief in God, but don't have faith. And faith is the the essence that I need to stay recovered. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Sylvia. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. This is Sally. May I share? Sally, go ahead. Go ahead. Arrived at this point, oh, I'm sorry, I'm Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. 
we couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far that somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile and we did not like to lose our support. I love this because it really does remind me of the journey that I've taken to reach the land of recovered. I remember when I first came on the line, on the phone lines, and I was reluctant for so long, and I first heard about this word recovered. And it really has come to, in my mind, to be a place that I've come to, uh, such a different way of thinking. And um, having this this particular paragraph, Dubs Hailing, um, this previous paragraph is either God, I, God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? And honestly, I honestly thought that I didn't have a choice, that self-reliance, that pulling myself up by the bootstraps, by, by uh, having some sense of, um, okay, I'm willing to do this, and that willingness was infused with a self-reliance that was not a healthy self-reliance. And, um, you know, I, in my readings this past weekend, I came across a paragraph in Dr. Bob's Nightmare, the very last paragraph in Dr. Bob's Nightmare on page 181. And he says, if you think you are an atheist, an agnostic a skeptic, or have any other form of intellectual pride which keeps you from accepting what is in this book, I feel sorry for you. If you still think you are strong enough to beat the game alone, that is your affair. But if you really and truly want to quit drinking liquor for good and all, and sincerely feel that you might Sally, star one to unmute. I have a kind phone that tells me when I'm being muted. But if you really and truly want to quit drinking liquor for good and all and sincerely feel that you must have some help, we know that we have an answer for you. And he goes on to the bottom of the page to say, your heavenly father will never let you down. And I think that, you know, as I, as I read this and we're talking about the desired shore of faith and I'm reading about God either is or he isn't, I realize more and more that it really does boil down to either my pride or my willingness to trust. And trust is a tough place for me. Trust has never been a safe place. But I must say, I have learned in this last year of crossing this vast ocean of doing the steps and reaching the land of recovered. Just like this paragraph, crossing over a bridge, walking far over the bridge of reason, self-reliance on page 68 could not get me there. It was always going to be about me trusting in my higher power and learning about trust, learning about my higher power, developing a trust and a relationship. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. 
and anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Devorah. I am Sheila Masser. <clears throat> Devorah and then Sheila. Thank you. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Devorah Recovered, compulsive overeater in New Jersey. And, um, you know, we, we I came to the shore. You know, we, um, I had enough faith to bring me to the shore, but I was stepping aside it, getting onto it, just getting there and getting into it. Held, something held me back. And I know for me, it's the fear, um, fear of just letting go. Um, the reasoning that I have in my head is telling me, oh, I, I won't be able to do it. I'm not good enough. Oh, I, I'm not like that. I just can't. And that's when I have to rely on the paragraph before, which talks about either God is or he isn't. You know, I have to rely on God to take away this fear. And um, I have to um, trust and lean on him to remove this, this fear. And then I know I can have complete faith um, and, and keep going. And, uh, and what helps as well to build my faith is being around and hearing people who've been there and done that and are doing it. Um, that gives me also faith that I too can do it because I too am a child of God and God will also do for me what I can't do for myself. And, um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. And Sheila, please, and then Nancy. Thanks. This is Sheila compulsive reader from New York. Thank you. I just wanted to check in this morning. Cautions of faith says, in reasons, thanks Rich, for pointing out the capital R and reasons, because um, that's pretty much occupied most of my time trying to find a reason for this, a reason for that, and trying to figure it out, and um, just letting go and letting God has always been a challenge for me. I identified with the last speaker who talked about trust. Trust is huge, and trust is not always there. I had to constantly remind myself, as long as I stay in prayer, I stay connected with faith, and when I'm connected with my faith, I have hope, hope of recovery. Um, I need to remember that, not that faith is unconditional, like love is unconditional. It's not God's going to fix this or that, or he's going to fix for this one, not for me. I need to remain and remember that the unconditional love that I know that God has also comes along with unconditional faith. Faith that if I continue to turn my life and my will over to a power greater than myself, that all things will fall into accordingly as they're supposed to. Um, I need to remember that um, to keep my faith is not that God can, but he will. He will be the head of my life and all things that I need to do. And just remember to seem to to hold on to there, either there is a God or there isn't. That is so true. You can't select what you're going to turn over and what you're not, what you're going to give and what you're not going to give to a power grading yourself. You have to turn it all over to have unconditional faith. And it is a freeing feeling that for once in your life, you don't have to be responsible, that you've given yourself a break and turned it over. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Nancy, go ahead. This Nancy. Is Nancy. Did you call on me? Yes. 
Okay, great. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. This is Nancy Compulsive over here from Lewiston, Idaho. And, um, you know, I can't remember the person who shared first, but I liked when she said um, she talked about um, she couldn't just have faith when it was convenient. And that really resonated with me because that's how I lived my life um, in the early years of my recovery because I could have faith when it was convenient. And which means I didn't have any faith at all because when push came to shove, I still tried to do it my way. And I'm talking about much more than the food. I'm talking about, you know, just how I lived my life, whether it be at work, whether it be with my family, whether it be with my friends, whether it be, you know, whenever I was being pushed a different direction where I didn't feel like I had control I would panic and I would go into self-preservation mode, which means I took the reins and I'm doing it. And then, you know, later I started to be where at least I would start recognizing that that's what I was doing. And then I'd go back, oh, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to do better next time. But I really wasn't because I wasn't ready. I wasn't willing to let him have complete control. And um, having faith, it's like people talked about the paragraph Um, that talks about God is either everything or he is nothing. I can't have it both ways. And that's what I was trying to do. Um, I was trying to let him have the food, but with the other areas of my life was concerned, I still was exhibiting tons of control, and it wasn't working. My life was a mess, and it didn't have always to do with whether I was abstinent or whether I was binging my guts out. I had... Um, I was insane, and I had a lack of control in all areas of my life. So this is calling me to have an open mind, to have an open mind, to have faith that there is a power greater than me that can restore me to sanity, but that sanity is being restored in all areas of my life, not just where the food was concerned. And so I had to start practicing either God was everything, God was everything, and it took the gift of desperation for me I finally had to concede that the power that I had been using was not working for me and just pick and choose when I was going to use that power. So I had to find a power that would work, and then I had to practice, practice, practice letting that power be involved, be the center, had to be the center. I had to move aside and let that power be the center. And I'm so glad I finally did because I am growing spiritually again. I have a relationship with a power greater than myself. And, you know, most days I do pretty good about keeping an open mind and being open. So thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Nancy. My name is Leigh. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. It says here, arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. So the big book offers a challenge now. Uh, We couldn't duck the issue. Um, You know, in the previous paragraph, it says, when we became alcoholics crushed by a self-imposed crisis. So, uh, you know, we experienced a lack of power of choice, you know, and we were crushed by this lack of power. We were crushed. We could not postpone or evade. So in that previous paragraph, uh, there's no slack here. You know, the big book really turns up the heat and says, you know, what was our choice to be? You know, what was our choice to be? Lack of power, that's our dilemma. Uh, we can't postpone or evade um, because, you know, the uh, hell is getting hotter by the moment. 
So what's our choice to be? You know, God is or God isn't. What's our choice? This is a decision that's not about uh, alcohol or, in our case, about food. It's not about self. It's about God. Do you believe? What's your choice? Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted, squarely challenged with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. And of course, as previously noted, bridge of reason is capitalized because we had made reason, we had made our minds and intellect uh, our God. I mean, intellect is a, is a useful tool, but uh, it would only take us so far. What is faith? It's a sure of faith. What is faith? The dictionary says that faith uh, is a belief which cannot be proven. So this decision that we're going to make, <laughs> whether God is or God isn't, is, is not, uh, not going to come out of my mind, actually, because mind is about knowledge and, and certitude. You know, faith is acceptance of, of that which there's no evidence there, there's no evidence yet, um, you know, that I can wrap my fingers around. And it's not about feelings. It's not going to emanate from feelings because feelings ebb and flow. You know, feelings are not facts. They're a trap. So, uh, you know, it says here, perhaps we've been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile and we did not like to lose our support. This is going to be coming out of a different place. May I press eight or star one? Well, we lost Leah, it looks like. And she'll be back on momentarily. And in the meantime, um, this is Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Oregon, and I would like to... Um, to add a perspective as well. When I read this, I look at the idea about reason versus faith, and I look... Hi, are you back, Leah? Yes. Talk about a power greater than myself. That's technology. Thank you, Mel. Uh, you know, so this is coming um, not out of knowledge. Uh, you know, the mind is not going to be fully operating here because it's only gotten me so far. It says perhaps we had been leaning too heavily on reason, too heavily on, on intellect and on the mind um, to figure this thing out. That last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. But um, acceptance, it is, you know, for which there is no evidence. That's what faith is all about. That's what we talk about when we talk about the leap of faith. That's what we talk about when we hear the unseen bridge. I like where it says friendly hands had stretched out and welcome. We who are recovered says, you know what? This thing works. A life based on this belief that there is a God uh, allows us to have a, a, a quality of life that is better than without that foundation. You know, so, so take that leap. I mean, suppose someone gave you a book of blank checks. Suppose someone gave you a book of blank checks and told you there's a million dollars in the account. Write the checks and you can have the money. Would you write them? <laughs> would you write them? Or would you say that's too good to be true and not write any checks? If so, you'd be right. If you wrote no checks, there'd be no money for you. 
You know what I mean? It's, it's the same thing. <laughs> We're saying this program of recovery, this leap of faith works. It works. So please, we're stretching out our hands and we're saying, come along, open up your mind, take that leap. And with that, I pass. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on to the next? Melanie? Bella, can I share? Melanie and then Bella. Thank Sharon. you. Hi, my name is Melanie. I'm a, re- I am Melanie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater here in Oregon. I would like to go at this from a little bit additional angle and that is we were we've been talking about reason and the capital R we're talking about intellect and in my mind and and um and then these outstretched hands and things like that when I look at this in in its whole and I look at all of these ideas that these sentences bring out to me I look at this idea and that is um it reminds me of um deep down inside every man and woman lies a fundamental idea of God. And I think that that's not an exact quote, but that's there. It's it's there. So where's my integrity on all this? I've been relying on reason, on my mind, to kind of think about what you're saying and see if that makes sense, and I might go on that. I'm looking at all of you compelling me, drawing me, encouraging me by your own energy and power to step ashore. But what about that thing? What about the truth? What about that thing that's really down inside me that I'm ignoring? It's already there. What am I going to do about that? That's my integrity. That's my responsibility. That's the thing that I want to enlarge. That part that says it's already there, that I will step out in that faith, I will step out in that honesty and integrity to do that very thing that I had been relying way too much on somebody else to coax me along. I've been relying way too much on my reasoning once somebody has kind of given me an idea. I'll call somebody else and see if they'll give me the idea of God. I'll call somebody else and see if that'll coax me. What about right here, right now, what's Melanie going to do about that? And only in that place will that spiritual muscle strengthen and develop that will align my will with God's will. Just a thought, and with that, I pass. Thank you. And Bella, please. Bella, you wanted to share on this paragraph? Yes. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a compulsive overeater. Thank you very much for leading this meeting. Thank you very much for having this meeting. Wow, I read this sentence friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. And it brings me very good memories, what I was before the program and what, thank God, I am now. Before the program, I was very much isolated, and I was busy with I, me, and myself. I was in the center, everything is because of me, everything is me. And I didn't want the company. I was afraid from the people outside me. I I knew that if I will be with people, I will hear only blame and judge. Either they will blame me or I will blame others. It wouldn't be a good relationship, a healthy relationship. And this is why I wanted to be isolated. I didn't believe not in the people and for sure not in myself. Now that I am, thank God, in the program, what is the keyword? The keyword is friendly. First of all, we are not isolated. We cannot do this program. We cannot live in a healthy 
um, in a healthy way without pe friends. Now people are not people anymore. Now the people are friends. They love me and I love them. I know that I can get from those friends and I can give to those friends. And it's no more isolated. I know that to, to, to live, I need the tools. I need to make all those tools to be in contact with the friends because they are not people, they are friends, they are together with me, we are all together, we can share our experience. And it says hands, friendly hands. First of all, we accept everybody, no matter what you are, who you are, where you are. We are accepting people, we are accepting friends. First of all, the physical trust, hands, and then we can move on. First of all, trust in, in, in friends. And then when we become friends, we, we know that we have, that we can give and get. And then we trust. We trust ourselves. We trust others. And then, oh, you are in recovery. How did you reach the recovery? So maybe I can be there too. And this is how we build our positive way of life. Thank you very much for letting me share, and with this, I will pass. Thank you. Let's move on to the next paragraph with Helena, please. Good morning. This is Helena in South Jersey. That was natural, but let's think a little more closely. Without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? For did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. I would just like to share briefly on this. I love that this paragraph starts at that this is natural. The big book tells us, and the 12 and 12 of uh, AA tells us over and over that what, we, what has been happening with us is natural. It is normal. It is natural and normal to be selfish and self-centered. Not just alcoholics, but all of us, human beings. It is natural to feel resentment. It is natural to want to have power over other people. It is natural. So many things are natural, and yet these things are become warped in us. And when we turn to our drug of choice, we enter into that realm, we cross over that line where many of these things that are natural become the dubious luxury of normal men. And for us to have them is to die. So we are being squarely confronted, as was said in the last paragraph and the paragraph before, either God is or he isn't. Either God has power in our life or he does not. And resistant as we may be to this idea, or resistant in my case as I may be to the idea that someone else's God could be just as wonderful and useful and helpful to them as my God is to me, that somebody else may have a different conception of God than mine, um, that may be natural too, but I had to let go of that and I had to open up to the idea that Either God is everything or he is nothing. And 
I was using my power of reason very heavily to convince me that my God was the only right one. And the power of reason showed me very clearly eventually that I had no power at all in the God I so strongly believed in. And because I continued to pick up, I would be on my knees asking God to help me not eat that one of those cookies that was on the plate and then would get off my knees and eat the whole plate. So eventually I had to come to see that I was just as spiritually bereft as someone who did not believe in any God at all. So many things that happen in our lives may be natural. It may be natural and normal and yet for us to follow those is to die. And the kind of faith that we have here, what is really faith? What is it that we are living our lives based on? And for many people it was just reason. There is no God, and I will firmly hold on to that. Or in my case, there is a God, and I have complete knowledge of who he is, and no one else is right. And either one of those, I had to come to see that what my real faith was in was in something other than a God that was strong enough to stop me from picking up. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Amy. Amy, and then I, and then Kim. Go ahead, Amy. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. So here we are on page 44. We're 10 pages into this chapter of the agnostics where they've been talking to us about faith and being honest and open and willing to believe and to let go of old ideas. I mean, the chapter's going to wrap up in two pages. People have been talking about turning up the heat. Absolutely. I mean, we read on page 24 earlier in the book, you know, there's no middle-of-the-road solution here, folks. Their choice has to be made here. God either is or isn't. Like others have said, what's the choice going to be? They are absolutely saying a decision has to be made here with complete abandon. God has to be part of our lives. The answer and the solution that we're talking about here for this book, to be recovered, is a spiritual one. It is a leap or a step onto the shore, if you will, of faith and into the unknown. Reason is not necessarily a bad thing, but what have we been worshiping? What had I been worshiping? Had I not been worshiping food? Had I not been worshiping self and self-centeredness? Oh, yeah, I had faith galore, but just not, not in the right things. And I used my capital R reason to feel control, to feel in control, to feel safe, to put my ego on top to say, I got this, my self-will and my control and my mind and my intellect will get me where I need to go. It will get me to the shore of recovered because I understand the program now. I know, I understand, I can use my reason. But that's where I got into trouble because at some point there has to be a surrender of one's ego. I had to surrender myself to say, I don't know. I don't have the answers. And when you all reached out across to help me step ashore, you said you, ha- you had the answer. But in order for me to do that, I had to step into the unknown. I had to let go of the old faith because I really did have faith. It was just not the right thing. And I had to let go. And I had to believe that there was something else out there and that it was going to be a constant vigilance for me to do that. You know, it talks about how it works at some of these steps we balked. I had to constantly surrender my ego and what I thought I knew 
and my own reasoning when it came to this program and my compulsive overeating. Was I never to use my intellect again? No. We, we live in a world where we have to use our reason and we have to use our intellect. But in this, in this I had to surrender absolutely. I had to surrender absolutely to have that personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. And what was that personality change? It's a change from a self-centered person to a God-centered person, to trust and rely on God, a power greater than myself. And I had to have that gift of, gift of desperation to do it because there was no way I was going to change. But with the compulsive overeating biting at my heels with its, wrap, its talons wrapped around my neck, I had to make that step onto the shore. Otherwise, I was going to wade around in the water and soon to drown. I had to let go of self and then believe in the unknown and it is scary as others as others have said it's scary and it's a big step but what was the choice to be for me there was no other choice there was no middle of the road solution i was going to either eat to oblivion and destroy my life or i was going to pick up the kit of spiritual tools laid at my feet which were these steps i was going to have to step on the shore once i got there God was there. God was there, and he will be there for you as well. With that, I pass. Thank you. And Kim, please. Thanks, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith. So where are we standing now? You know, we're standing at the point where we've have come to the conclusion that we're powerless. We've come to the conclusion that we have this allergy of the body that will never change, that when I pick up certain substances, I'm, it's going to create a phenomenon of craving, and I'm going to want more and more and more. That's, that is my disability. And I've also come to the conclusion that I have this obsession of the mind that regardless if I can get abstinence, that I'm going to have a mind that tells me that food is the best idea I can. So right near where I'm standing is an, oh, crap, I'm screwed. I can't eat because of the allergy. I can't not eat because of the obsession of the mind. That means I'm powerless. And lack of power is my dilemma. I'm being confronted with the, the, the thought that I need a higher power. So that's where I'm standing now. Do I admit, do I fully concede that I need a higher power? So here I am in my mid-20s. I've been diagnosed morbidly obese. I'm in a job where I can barely function because I'm either drunk on the food or hungover trying to get off of the food. I'm living with my parents in a bubblegum pink room with holly hobby furniture because I can't afford rent anywhere else. I have to live with my parents. I'm sitting home on Saturday nights with my best buddies, Ben and Jerry, while my friends are out at bars meeting guys. That's where I stood. I had this certain kind of faith. If only I can have my food, I will be okay. If only people would leave me alone, I would be okay. If only I had a better idea, I would be okay. And then I come into OA. And where did I stand in OA with years of having long-term abstinence and then losing it and then trying to get it back and getting back on track? I I was in a place where I was in a 12-step program desperately trying not to work the steps. You know, Rick pointed out those capital letters for reason. What were those things that I was worshiping? What were my gods? Well, I'll tell you, it was the big F and the big P, food plan. I can worship this food plan that will make me okay. 
I got that one from a size 24 down to a size 2 where I lost my period, my hair was falling out. But I worship the fact that if I can stay skinny, I will be okay. And if I stay underweight, that means if I binge, I have that cushion now. I have this God that if I do enough tools, I will be okay. I mean, one of the reasons I went to meetings all the time was because that was an hour and a half. At least I wasn't binging. The meetings would keep me safe. So I always had a certain kind of faith that I had to question, where was I standing? Where was I standing? Before away, I was standing in the cesspool of disease and the progression of this illness. And for many years in a way, I was worshiping people, places, and things and still living in an insane world even when abstinent. And the abstinence was able to become shorter and shorter and shorter. So I finally had to recognize I am in a 12-step program. Maybe, maybe I should, have, I should try these steps. Because step one is the conclusion that I am powerless. We are in step two. I'm coming to that conclusion. I need a higher power. And that's going to propel me to make a decision to take action. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hello, this is Sally. Paula, Sally, and I heard another voice in there. Let's go with Paula and then Sally, please. Go ahead. Thank you. This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. That was natural. That's how it starts. But let us... I'm actually on that. I hope you can hear me clearly. That closely. Paula, hold on. We're having some tech issues here. One moment, please. Sure. Leah, I believe that the the static is coming from Paula's phone. Oh, it's coming from my phone. Let me yeah. try one, no one, one moment. You. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Hopefully it will not be the static. Thank you all for the help there. It starts with that was natural. That's where I was. But let us think a little more closely. And that was it. I never wanted to think more closely. If anything, I wanted to distance myself. But if, as I was on that bridge, I was between two lands, the land of staying in my disease or the promised land. And it says here, and the promise of a new land, and there it was. But what, what made me continue to go forward? Some of us had already walked far over the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. That's what it was. I watched the us and the we as they walked over, and they took that last final step. And that's what it had said, because there I was. My confidence was in myself, not God. That's why I stayed. That's why I stayed between two lands. Where was I to go? And then it said, yes, we have been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason, to self, to self. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. My faith in self just didn't take me that final step. 
it must be a faith in God himself, then I could go to and be clear here, the desired shore of living and being in a recovered life. Thank you for allowing me to share. Sorry for all the static. Thank you. And Sally, go ahead. Sally, star one to unmute. Thank you, Leah. Still Sally recovered in South Jersey. So I'm going to just pick it up with uh, with a couple of thoughts here. Uh, one is we talked about at the bottom of page 53, a certain kind of faith. And then he goes on to say a sort of faith. Yes, we have been faithful abjectly faithful to the God of reason. That word abject in the big book dictionary is an interesting word. Abject means totally being of the most objectionable or contemptible kind, surrendered to a humiliating state of mind or condition. That's what it says in the big book dictionary. Abjectly faithful to the God of reason. And this really does strike me as, it really reminds me of my broken button, my broken button of me. Here I try to lean hard on this button of power, my own power. And gosh, I thought that was a normal thing. I mean, and it does say it's a natural thing. But I would think it was normal to rely on yourself. You know, that come on, you can do this. We, we see it all over the place. We see um, people that are crossing finish lines all the time that are depending on themselves and they're building themselves up. But here we have a program that's telling us, don't bother. It's not going to work. And then we have an experience to back it up of having tried and tried and tried only to fail by 3 o'clock in the afternoon to pick up the food again like some kind of a, a raging werewolf running through the fields with with hair growing on my back. Gee, I, I mean, I just started trying this morning at 7 o'clock when I woke up, and by 3 p.m. I'm done trying. My broken power button. And so, honestly, I think that when it talks about faithful to the God of reason, we're talking about faithful to the God of me. And me playing God, that was on the top of my list when I got to steps six and seven. Me playing God. And that was my God of reason, that I thought I could reason my way through this, but it wasn't going to work. So in one way or another, we discovered, I discovered, did you discover, that faith had been involved all the time, but it was faith in me. And now... No longer. Now it must be in a faith in God because my God button, me, was broken. And so I had to stop playing God and take that leap of faith to have faith in something outside of me. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I pass. Thank you. This is Leigh. I, too, wanted to jump in on this statement. Yes, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. I, too, uh, looked up abjectly and uh, surrendered to a humiliating state of mind or condition. Um, You know, I was the creator of my own pain. (laughs) The big book talked about that, the previous page, that it was a self-imposed crisis. No one was doing this to me. 
and yet I continued to worship my thinking mind and my ego. You know, my my life is based on the ideas I produce in my mind. What were the results? Yes, we have been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. I had to look at my life and see the results of what my mind and my thinking produced. You know, I, I was... Uh, you know, I, I couldn't sleep. I felt guilty. I was angry at the world. I was full of resentment. Uh, I had no real close friends. Um, my family was frustrated by my behavior. Um, you know, I had suicidal thinking. That, that was the result of the way I was thinking and my outlook and attitudes on life. Those results uh, were my, you know, my own creation, my, the way I viewed the world. I was the architect. I was the author of my own misery. The big book is, is challenging me here that I need a new mind, a spirit-guided mind. How do I get one of those? I'm going to get that through the process of these 12 steps through the process of these 12 steps because self-sufficiency is not going to produce this spiritual awakening which is absolutely necessary in order to expel the obsession of my mind. Self-sufficiency is not going to produce that spiritual awakening because the same mind, the same consciousness that created the problem of of compulsive overeating cannot be the same mind, the same consciousness that solves the problem. You know, and the quality of that is going to determine my future. So what's it going to be, Leah? What's it going to be? Look at the results of your life. It's, you know, that's what it came down to. Look, Leah, look at your best efforts. Your best thinking got you in, in, in a place with a plastic band around your wrist and locked doors. That is your best effort. Best effort. Now, are, are you ready to throw in the towel and perhaps be willing to believe that there's a better way? Are you willing to believe that there might be a better way? And with that, I pass. Is anyone else willing <laughs> uh, to comment on this paragraph before we close? Hello? Yes. Good morning. This is Sippy. Sippy, speak up, please. Um, this is Sippy. Good morning. Thank you, everyone on the line, and thank you, Leah, for your service. I'll just get back a little to the paragraph before. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. That's what this program is doing for me. I'm still in the process, and I've learned to trust the process. When I came into this program, I did have faith. I didn't have to learn to have a faith. I had to learn to have Sippy star one to unmute. Hello? Continue. Okay, I don't know where I stepped off. Sorry, everyone. I only have this phone out here. Um, I didn't realize that God is everything. That part I realized. I didn't realize everything was God. If someone makes a comment to me or something happens in my life, and it was very disappointing because I'm shameful 
and my spirit was not very good, and nobody thought from the outside. I had already lost my weight, but I didn't understand that I was numbing myself from little changes in my life that were happening, and intellectually I knew it was from God, but I wasn't exercising the muscle. I was exercising the me, myself, and I muscle and going back into the food. I was exercising self and worshiping self. And I didn't I didn't get it till I really started to step the proper way thanks to a vision for you. Because I've done the I did the steps two times. Once I was told, just get through it quickly, get through it quickly. You don't have to spend so much time on the steps. Well, I didn't get it that way. And the tired eyes are gone, thank God, one day at a time. And my flagging spirit, no matter what I'm going through, is is gone one day at a time, thank you, God. So um my inside is becoming like my outside, people didn't notice how down I was because it was between my ears and in my mind and I was so desperate, you know, looking good. I should have felt good. That was the vanity part, but I didn't get the sanity part completely. So thank you all for listening and have a wonderful day. Thank you very much and thank you to everyone who participated in today's meeting. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Devorah, would you please read a vision for you? Thank you. Hi. Our book is meant, this is Devorah uh, in New Jersey, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Imagine yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Hear freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.